let's segue to the, the book you're working on now. Imagine a large project like you've talked about, large scale, large uh, modernization. There are a lot of different parties to it have, that have different stakes in it. Mm-hmm. So I, Lou could see something very different than, than Richard, putting aside reasons of personal agenda. I might rep- I might feel like I represent a business interest or or or, or a, a, a cyber some aspect of the sure. program that is at odds with where you're going. Now, if I'm doing it in honorably in earnest, I'll have the open conversation with you. I mm-hmm. won't play a game. Mm-hmm. But what if we could clash on some things for legitimate business reasons? That affects performance and results, and and that is your that's what you're writing about now, correct? Yeah, well, l- let me just set the stage, and I'll try to, to get to your point. So I, I've served, as I said, two times in the U.S. federal government agencies, and I saw, um, on the positive, I saw some amazing things. And in fact, when we were on the same page as a team, it's amazing what some we got done in government. Yeah, but yeah, I also yeah. saw a, a lot of dysfunction. And a lot of the dysfunction for various reasons right. that we can go into if you'd like. But so I'm writing this book about, you know, from an operational practitioner standpoint, okay. how can government agencies be more effective in the delivery of whatever service they deliver and product and more efficient in doing it? And so that's really the, the genesis of the book. And a lot of the topics, I mean, governance, we've talked about here at a, at a program level. I talk about government governance at various levels, at a program level, at a portfolio level, at a whole agency level. Okay, right. Because the very concepts we talked about, about being on the same page, they apply at all three of those levels yeah. uh, to be effective yeah. as an agency. And so governance is a key theme in the book about the government uh, performance or agency performance. And so to your point, yeah, I mean, let's take your example. I mean, you may be representing, I mean, cyber is a great example. Maybe you're the cyber specialist and have uh, real concerns about where we're going from a cyber protection standpoint with this program and the systems we're delivering. And of course, I've got the business people all over me as the program manager about wanting more functionality. And why are these cyber people kind of getting in our way? <laughs> right. Because they, right. Right. I mean, yeah, this is pretty classic. And and so that's a tension that is a perfect example of why you need a governance body where you, Lou, as cyber expert, get to come in and talk about the risks and the and what could happen on a bad day if we deliver this and we don't have the right kind of protections and the like. And the business people can come in and talk about you know, all the functionality delivered. And, you know, what we're going to end up with is probably something that maybe doesn't meet everybody's expectations, but, but it's probably best for the agency or the, or the customer in this case, or mm-hmm. whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to have the cyber protections, but we also need to deliver business value. So, you know, it's, these are the classic kind of tensions you run into and sure you're going to have a different view and you're going to be representing your interests, but that doesn't mean as you say, if you do it in an open, honest, trust environment that we all have, you can make really good progress in that kind yeah. of environment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You really can. Yeah. And frankly, if you if you do that over time, what will happen is we'll be able to deliver a lot more business value and we'll be able to deliver it in a lot more secure way. Yes. Than if we don't have that trusted yes. governance kind of model. If you is do that, that yeah. 
If you have those conversations yeah. in good faith, you, I think you build a team capability for doing that better and better over time. I, I absolutely do. Because what would co- what could come of that, if we could get, if I would like some degree of protection, but the group agreed that it, it could accept some risk with a somewhat lesser degree of protection, mm-hmm. if that's a group decision, mm-hmm. that covers me. Well, th- yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's that self-interest that ultimately comes into play here, too. But or, you're right. I mean, you, you've I have a response. Right. You, you, you've brought the issues forward. A business decision was made. Uh, we're going to take some risk, and we're going to live with that. And then but, we have so also had a conversation about how to manage those risks. Yes. That's the thing is that the more, I think the beauty of the governance process, the way you've described it, and the conversations that, should, that happen there when it goes well, these things get vetted. You don't want some of this conversation going on in the hall or outside of the meeting, That's not right. in the meeting. You don't want yes. people things people things that people are worried about or ideas they have for solutions not shared. You want that shared because it opens up options for the team. Agreed. Absolutely. That's you, what, uh, you said it so well. I can I couldn't add it to that. That's exactly the point. We probably narrow differences that way. We might not be able to agree on everything, but you mm-hmm. probably can narrow differences that way and get mm-hmm. more agreement. And apart from the particulars of any situation, if two of us, five of us, ten of us learn to do that together, there's a lot of value in that for the organ for the individuals oh, in the organization. So I'll give you a real world story if I can, if you if I can take just a couple sure, of minutes. Please. I think it's such a good one. When I was at the IRS, we were building a system called Modernized E-File. And the commissioner at that time, Mark Everson, was wanting to be very aggressive in mm-hmm. rolling this out. And the first forms we actually took on on Modernized E-File were not the 1040s, the ones we file as individuals, but they were actually the business uh, returns. And so he got it in his head that he wanted to mandate that the largest corporations in the United States have to E-File now. Okay. And so he brought in um, Debbie Nolan and myself. I was a CIO at the time, and he brought in Debbie, and she was running the what's the large business uh, part of the IRS. Mm-hmm. The, her division handled all the large taxpayers on the business side. It was really a, a challenge to us. It said, I want to mandate this. Can I? <laughs> for the next filing season. And are you guys going to be ready? <laughs> and so we didn't say immediately yes, but what we did was we went back, and we already had a program governance board. So... Uh, what we decided to do was that we took over co-chair of it, the two of us, okay. and agreed we would do it. And here's what we did. every We met every other week for a year uh-huh. as a government board. Uh-huh. And the sole objective was to hit that date so that when the IRS mandated e-filing to large corporations, we would be ready. And the first agenda item, and pretty much the only agenda item, is... What is it we need to do to make sure we stay on schedule? And we got, we took care of so many issues in that governance. It was a tight board. It was a trusted environment. It was all the things we've been talking about. And we had success. And I'll tell you, that was so big kudos for the IRS. Because when Mark Everson mandated, the commissioner mandated that first, it was a laughing stock. You go, the IRS. No kidding. And And we made it. It was a big deal, and um, it's something that I'll always remember. You, you know, you remember, you said it earlier, you remember those things yeah, so well. Yeah. That was a very 
uh, it was a great example of, and it, and it wouldn't have worked. I, I guarantee you, we wouldn't have had success if we didn't do what we I just described. Meeting every other week as a group and driving this thing is what it needed. Well, so what lesson could you draw from that for observations you're making in, in the second book about government effectiveness and efficiency? There's a lot of getting on the same page to make any organization. Yes. You, 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 yeah, your church yeah. group, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, right. A lot of these are are universal to every organization that wants to be uh, wants to do better. There's a lot in the book, so I don't want to. It's going to be hard to describe it quickly. But this idea of of having very capable people in in the roles that they're in and then them working together in the right governance framework, because in order to get anything done in government in particular, I mean, Organizations are the same in some sense, but yeah. government is a bit of an outlier in that there even more coordination is required in yeah. government than yeah. in most private sector organizations. Yeah. And there are more stakeholders, yeah. frankly. And and with a stakeholder means you know, there are more people that can say no or they can torpedo something. Or call you up to the Congress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, you know, it's even more critical that you have the right kind of governance framework in place so that these very capable people you have in these roles can be effective on their roles because they have to work together to get things done. So, okay, so fair point. There's a lot in the book. There's a lot that meaning that there are many factors that you're going to address. But And I don't want to oversimplify, but what, what I thought in response to what you said was create the environment. It goes back to an earlier point of yours, create the environment for those people to work in. And then the second thing is have the right conversations, meaning let's, let's talk about the real issues openly yes. and honestly. Yes, but that goes back to a trusted environment, doesn't it? I think so. People, people will not. Even people that want to be open and honest will get very guarded quickly if, if they feel like Right. Others are taking, you know, trying to take advantage of them or trying to correct. Or yeah. Not playing, not not playing fair. You know, I, whatever, I, uh, whatever they have you want to state it. I have a colleague in the in the D.C. area that had this discussion with me some time ago, not on a not a pot, not an episode, but just that she was on a she was it was a Navy team. She was civilian, but it was a Navy team. And she said it was the best team experience she had of her life. And they had some rules for themselves as a team that they established. One of them mm-hmm. was, if we find a problem, anybody finds a problem, you bring it to the team first. Mm-hmm. You have an obligation to take some, because they all came from a different chain of command. Okay. We respect that we all have an obligation to re- inform up the mm-hmm. chain of command. But first, you bring it to the team so we can... We can, yes. Figure it out. What, deal with it. Have a plan of action. Exactly. Yes. And, and And what that does is it... It, it, it it's some it, that creates some safety. If you know that your team members yep. are going to bring things for discussion amongst yourselves first, and you have noticed if something's going to be elevated by anybody, you just don't feel as risk. You feel more informed. You feel more aware. Yes, that's a good. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I thought it was a great rule. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great rule. Well, uh, let's bring this around full circle, because your first book was about a guide for advancing your a career, a technology career. You're not writing a second book about a guide for advancing your program career, but if you're talking about effective and efficient government, effective and efficient government programs, a lot of young people in government today, what advice would you have for them 
being mindful of, of, of things they could do. Maybe it's their, their first project lead role. Maybe they're not the project lead, they're a project team member. And they're trying and asking themselves, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a way we could do this better. Oh, goodness. Probably comes, probably comes back to some of the nine things you wrote about, or the, uh, sorry. I was the, say, I mean, as I said, there's 12 traits 12, I write yeah. about, and, and you've just opened up the box here so I could I could list them all. Or not all <laughs> yeah, true. The young person. But, they do apply. You know, I mentioned a couple things that I think are really important that I'll hit on again that go, I think, to your point. One, this idea of mentors. I'm very big on mentors. I've, I've had some great mentors myself mm-hmm. that have mentored me. And I try to be a good mentor to a number of people. Someone is interested, I would certainly try to help others at this stage of my career. But it, it's like we were talking about, it, it can provide you perspective and it can help you learn things that mm-hmm. might take you a decade to right. learn that you can learn you know, very short time with right. the right mentor. True. If you're open to it. Now, True. yeah, it's not like you just you know, take anything and everything that someone tells you who's your elder, so to speak. But, you know, if you can if you can find the right mentor or a few mentors, people that you trust, you really respect, they, they've kind of gone a path that you want to sure. go in your career. Oh, my God, it's, it's a boon for you as a, as a younger person. And so that, and I, that's one of the traits is to cultivate the right kinds of mentors. That's certainly one that can help you in this kind of situation. So you're on a project team, the team's struggling. If you've got a mentor that's kind of been there, done it, because it's very difficult for you as a younger person to go to the project manager and say, well, you're really doing this wrong. Yeah. And here's what you could be doing. Yeah. And they look at you like, you've never even done this before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. you have really little credibility when you're younger in some of these points so we're talking yeah, about because yeah. you've not been there done it but mentors can help you navigate ways in which maybe you can get that point across that more effectively or, or yeah. help in ways I'm, I'm very big on building your own expertise especially when you're younger so you know and, and, and really this goes beyond the technology field it does technology too you know if, if building credibility is important early in your career how do you do that well if you really become known as good for, you know really known as someone that's really really good and becomes an expert even in a particular topic if it's technology great i mean what element of technology i mean there's thousands literally thousands of different areas you can you can work in and, it, and what's nice about it is in today's technology with the way things change and like it's not like this is a 20-year thing to do you know, I talk about becoming an expert in about five years on a particular topic, mm-hmm. which is doable. It's doable. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think you're going to become an expert in how to manage large-scale prog- programs from a standing start at, at 20 years old in five years. Right. That, that's not going to happen. No. There's just too much experience you need, and you have to, have to play different roles and the like. But if you want to become a an expert in some element of cybersecurity or some expert in some element of the development of systems or the like. That's very doable in five years. And I mean, world-class. I mean, really know what That's you're a doing. And, and That's a great point. That's a great point. That has a number of elements that are really positive for you. It, it, not only does it help you right then and there, because you're, you're going to get better raises, you're going to get promotion opportunities and the like, but you're going to build credibility. Okay, and it, and if you do it right, you're not going to just build credibility in your own 
company or your own agency or whatever it is you work for. But if you if you reach out and I talk about networking, right? And I don't mean technical networking. No, I mean no. Networking with people, you know, through professional associations yeah. and other ways, you can build a network of people related in yeah. that field, whatever it is, and all of a sudden you've got a worldwide network you've built in five years that you're part of and this is doable that's good stuff this is definitely doable today now i don't say you know this isn't just the cakewalk where you know you, know, you got to put a lot of time and effort and you got i mean become an expert you got to you know either additional education or additional training i mean you're gonna have this is you know this is way way above and beyond your normal 40 hours a week kind of job but it's definitely doable so is the return yeah, that reminds yeah, me. Right. That reminds that's, me of. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I don't even remember what the what the project was, Richard. It was so long ago, but I remember being asked to look into some data. I thought it would be the most boring and tedious thing in the world to have to have to do. And somebody said to me, "If you know that data better than anybody else, you have a valuable contribution to the team and the effort." So it wasn't even going as far as you're describing of uh, mastering something that would take some time, like a year, maybe some certifications. It was really simple. Mm -hmm. It was nobody on the team knew all the data. Mm -hmm. I studied it. I studied it upside down, inside out, left and right. And when questions came up, I, Richard, I didn't even have a view on something. It wasn't like I had a position or objective. I just had the answers. Yeah. I knew you were, resident, you were a resident expert on that data. It was, which all of a sudden becomes very valuable. It, at times, it did, and it and it. I was young, and I remember thinking, I remember feeling good about. Well, it it taught me something fast, <laughs> mastery. And I felt good about. Yeah, it's a simple thing to master. It wasn't mastering a complex. I was mastered a, a data set, <laughs> but it yeah. felt mastery felt good. Mastery is mastery. I like to master my golf swing, and I'm never going to be on the tour. It mastery felt good. Mm-hmm. And then the value I could bring to a, converse, a conversation, answer a question, correct a misunderstanding. It was just, mm-hmm. it was, it felt good and it mattered. It contributed something that when others would like in the, like in the governance conversations you've talked about, I could say something that somebody would go, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Or aha, now I understand something, right? This, mm-hmm. Those light bulbs went off and then mm-hmm. those folks advanced things in the conversation that I wasn't really, I couldn't keep up with. But I, I gave a piece of the puzzle. Yes. Good example. Great. Very good. Two, two good points. Mentoring and, and build your own expertise. Well, is there anything else you wanted to comment on? Um, no, I'm excited about, you know, I hope to get my second book published about improving government agency performance this year. Uh, it's, that's, that's my plan. I mean, I've, I've got a complete draft, but I'm, I'm refining that. So I do want to get that completed and published as well. And I'm excited to get that out. But as you say, it's a different perspective. I mean, my first book is about the individual. My second book is more about the organization. And in this case, I'm focused on government agencies because I know them so well. But I'm excited. I'm excited to get that done. So I hope it's. I hope it'll be valuable for people. Well, I, I, the first book, I, I'm very proud of it. And and to what you mentioned, like with your daughter, giving, I think it's very very valuable for those earlier in their career. I mean, well, it's really meant as a career arc kind of book, yeah. but it, it's more, I think it's most valuable for those that are, 
either in school still or are are just earlier in their career. Well, and I thought the story of how the concept of the book emerged was was interesting. It was a real organic thing that happened yeah. that you described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a number of people at your level, and anybody at that level has a perspective that's lacking at a at, at, at lower level. So there's a lot in that book for for a career, for yeah. for a career. I learned some things well, in it. At 61, and I'm not a technologist. <laughs> and I'm eager to see what you have to say about, I, was, I, I worked at US EPA while I was in graduate school. Oh, okay. In Ohio, where I, before I came to DC, I was in a local government. And then in DC, I worked at US EPA for about eight years before, before I left government. And then I've been consulting the government. And so mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in the missions that the public has set for itself that would that require a government mechanism to make them happen and go, and then doing that well. And so the effectiveness and efficiency notions resonate with me and I look forward to what you have to say. Well, you know, so much trust has been lost in government, particularly at the federal level. That's really very concerning to me as a as a citizen. We need to rebuild trust in government and I don't know of a better way to do it than to actually government agencies deliver more effectively, more efficiently. That to me is how you rebuild trust. Well, let's talk about that one another time. I remember I was um, at EPA when it was Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton that went toe to toe and shut the government down for the first time, wasn't it? I believe that's correct. And I remember in the 1990s. Yeah, it was. I remember being home because I wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. And I remember tuning into C-SPAN. And I remember watching then a Republican congressman, not, this is not a partisan thing to say, he was a Republican congressman, at a podium then, pounding the podium with his, with his fist, and he had a glass of water on the podium because there, that, that was, there wasn't even bottled, much bottled water then, it was a glass of water, and he, and he was saying, he was gloating, government's been closed for three days and who misses it? And mm. I thought to myself, do you have any idea what it took to put that clean glass of water on that podium? Yeah. Federal, yeah. state, and local. Yes. A whole system, organizations, science, technology, policy, law, human health, ecological um, factors. Just so much. And there's something good to be said for when governments faded into the background, like the wallpaper that you don't notice, because it's probably working well. But that's yes. not a good sales point. That's not a good <laughs> right. marketing point. <laughs> but I would say to people over time, I said, you don't worry about opening a can of food and getting botulism. Mm-hmm. You don't worry about getting on a plane and having a wing fall off. These are public and private sector functions. Government and public private sector have come together to do some things that we take for granted. Well stated. That doesn't help our, our the problem you you meant you, that you identified of loss of trust in government and and how to get it back. But that's just a different conversation. <laughs> it, it is. We can spend another hour on that. Yes. Thank you, sir. I've enjoyed this very much and learned a lot. I appreciate it. Lou, thank you again for having me on. It's been great talking to you. I'll look forward to your next book. All right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, Lou. Thank you so much again. All right. My pleasure, and I'll be in touch. Right. Okay. Bye-bye. And that's how we see it, my friends. I want to thank Richard for recording today's episode. You can find it at icwhatyoumean.castos.com, plus all the usual places. Send questions and suggestions through your app. Subscribe and give me a five-star rating unless you can't, in which case, let me know why. And join me next week when we take another look at how to get on the same page and stay there. 
Unless we shouldn't. 